You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, welcome to the always game day in Buffalo fantasy football draft. I'm just kidding, it's not, but I feel like every single time I talk now, I'm talking about fantasy football because it's that season, Matt. How many drafts are you in? I had four leagues this year. It's probably too, too many. I think my sweet spot would actually be two leagues, but yes. you know, a couple leagues that I've been in for a long time that obviously I'm not going to leave. So yeah, I, I, four leagues, but it's kind of a lot. It's a lot to juggle because then you get that point where you're rooting for uh-huh. one player on your team in a league, but then you're playing against that same player in a different league and, and it's hard to keep track of everything. Uh, you know, it's funny. I agree with you about one thing you just said, the first part, which is I'm in the same spot. Like I have like four leagues. Two are like my legacy leagues I've been in a long time. What I call legacy, not dynasty, but I've been in them a long time. When I started in Florida, I don't run it anymore, but I'm still a, a part of it. And then one up here in Buffalo, both like 25, 30-year leagues. Then there's a guillotine league. I'm in with Jeremy White who started, which is a really cool format. And, and then there's another one. Um, I actually played this little league with my wife and son. My son, who's nine, wanted to do a fantasy league with just me and her. So I had to come up with a unique way. So we literally, I literally just put together a thing where we each drafted three quarterbacks, like three running backs, four receivers, and we just went around and we drafted, and we're just going to have a cumulative total total for the year. So that's cool. What is the what does the winner get? Nothing for the winner. The loser has to buy dinner for the family at the end of the year. Oh, that's cool. Well, yes. Max, don't lose. <laughs> that's exactly right. Max has his little credit card. He's been saving up for other things, but let's hope he doesn't have to uh, pay for dinner. But I will also tell you, you know, what's funny is once I draft all my teams, even every week, like I don't, I kind of just let it play out. I don't think about who's on my team until the end of the day and go, did I win or lose? I'm not really actively watching because, you know, we're wrapped up in the game. We're covering or calling on the field like I am. I don't think about, oh yeah, yeah. I hope this guy scores a touchdown. Maybe once in a while it creeps in because I know, especially late in the year, but honestly, I don't really kind of root or not root for or against players in fantasy. I just, I know my team Thursday, I start, start set my lineup. I get it set by Sunday and then I just let it play out. And then I go back and look who was on my teams. Um, I'm the exact opposite. I think about it. Not, I think about it nonstop. My <laughs> league that I've been in for, it's about 20 years now dictates my mood for much of the early wow. portion of the week. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. this year I strategically, not just for this reason alone, but doing the job that we do, my Sundays are tied up basically from 10 AM until eight, eight thirty PM, somewhere in that range. So I don't get a chance to watch a lot of football. Like I wish right. I could sit and watch red zone. Obviously, I'm going to take the trade off. I love what I do. I'm very fortunate to do what I do. But this year, in the league that I really, really care about, 
I drafted Josh Allen and James Cook. Want to know why? Because I'm going to watch every Josh Allen and James Cook game this year, and I'm going to know how my players are doing because so many of the other ones, I just get the updates on my phone. I'm so superstitious with this that I can't look at my phone for the notifications because I get the notifications from the Yahoo Fantasy app, and I don't want to see if it's like a score. I don't want to see if it's somebody posted something in the chat. I, I just keep my phone face down during mm. games, and then I check at commercial breaks on the NFL media website that we use where we can see all the stats. I yes. manually look at the stats. I don't want to check the app. Okay, I'm going to tell you a secret. You might not know this. I'm going to tell you a secret. You can turn notifications off from those websites. You don't well, have to actually put your phone down and not look at it. But I want the notifications on every other day, not just Sunday. So turn it off on Sunday. You can turn it back on. You just have to remember to do that back and That's forth. the thing. I'll forget. <laughs> now, speaking of Sunday, Matt and I, we'll do our best to get you a post-game show after every single game. It's going to be a little different after this game on Monday night. So we'll come at you sometime in the next 24 hours after the game. We'll do our best to get it out. Matt and I have different schedules, how we travel. So especially home games, we'll make sure we get something pumped out for you after Every game. And of course, the first game is Monday night, Buffalo Bills, New York Jets. That's the Bills' first game. First game for the NFL. Thursday, Detroit at Kansas City. Maybe you're listening to this after that particular game. We're actually recording the morning of that game. So welcome to football season. We are here. The regular season is finally upon us. No more countdown to how many games or kickoffs or days of the NFL season. We're actually here. It's Detroit, Kansas City. We'll get into that a little bit later. Let's talk about the news of the day from one Bills drive on Wednesday. We show up to the media room. Sean McDermott first says Micah Hyde is not practicing. And then we go out and he's practicing. So we'll talk about that. But the bigger news was who is starting on Monday night. Mm -hmm. Three jobs and competitions that were basically up in the air. One was already basically decided and we already knew that. The other two were maybe could have gone any way. One we thought was trending in a certain direction, and it did. And then one might have been coming out of left field after what we saw in training camp and a guy being hurt. So why don't you run us through everything, Matt, and give us your take on each of them first. Okay, so the Osiris Torrance one was the one I think we all saw coming probably about a month ago. Osiris Torrance has had a really strong summer, and at times he's actually looked like maybe the most solid piece on their offensive line. There will be growing pains. He is playing in his first NFL game, and he's doing it against a beast and Quinn and Williams and a defensive line for the Jets yeah. that's really, really talented. But I still think they made the right call with Osiris Torrance. I think this also helps you because Ryan Bates is your next man up, and I think that gives you a really nice depth piece that you feel comfortable with if he does have to go into the game for either Torrance or Morris or McGovern, whatever it happens to be. That one was yeah. the least surprising. Let, let me the, let me just jump in on that. I think that's, the point you make about Bates is something we've talked about a lot, which is right, which is let's flip this. Here, here's why. Turn around. Let's say Bates wins the starting job. Okay, that's fine. He like, I don't think he played poorly last year. He's a, a quality starter. Yeah. But the, the backup then is strictly a right guard. It's Osiris mm -hmm. Torrance. Then you're, yeah. you're kind of pigeonholing you know, who you have where by Osiris Torrance winning it, as you point out, you have Bates now backup center, backup guard. They did keep Alec Anderson, who can be flexible as well. But I think just think that this was not only the right call, as you put it, also the best case scenario, I think, for the Bills. Yeah, and you like the depth that you have, at least on the interior of the offensive line. The tackles are still a bit of a question. I guess you mm -hmm. wonder, like, what is Alec Anderson, Vandermark? What could he do in an actual NFL game? 
you like David Edwards, you like Ryan Bates, you like those guys. So I think you feel pretty comfortable, at least with an improved offensive line on the interior. I think the line's going to be better the entire year because I think McGovern's a pretty significant upgrade, and I think Osiris Torrance is a pretty significant upgrade. So we'll see there. Okay, then the second decision that they made was on Christian Benford. This one was not shocking by any stretch. Maybe a bit of a surprise, but it's kind of been trending in this direction the last few weeks. And given how they handled their final preseason game, it felt like Benford had kind of won the job. He was the first cornerback to come off of the field. They were not letting him get those reps in against second teamers and third teamers. There's something about Christian Benford that they just love. He's not flashy. He's very even keel. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. I like that he won the job. I That's think what that they love about him, by the way. That's yeah, what they love, right? I feel, All of that, that you just said. I feel like Christian Benford is like – they're different players, obviously. A slightly more upside Dane Jackson. Mm-hmm. Steady, like consistent, yep. but can flash a bit more. And I think if that's what you're going for, then they make the right decision. And once again, now you have another player who you know who can start coming off of the bench in case you need them to. I mean, these are positions where players get banged up all the time. Unfortunately, for every NFL team, is not it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when you go through injuries. The Bills are going to go through them. Ryan Bates, Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam, they're going to be on the field at some point. So I think it's a disappointment that Elam did not win the job given what they used to draft him a year ago and that he hasn't taken the next step. But that's not a surprise because at no point this summer has it felt like it was Elam's job to lose. Yeah. So let me touch on the point you made. Benford winning the job agreed with a lot of what you said there. I mean, he does remind me of a higher ceiling, more traits, Dane Jackson. And I I, want to make the point here that I don't think Dane Jackson's a bad player at all. No, I think he's been steady. He's been good for them. He was CB one for most of the year last year. Dane Jackson doesn't hurt them in a spot or two. I mean, every corner does, right? You're like, oh my God, Dane Jackson should have made that play. Dane Jackson's been a quality player for this team. But what they see in Christian Benford, I think, maybe gives them even a little bit more of an ability to make a bigger play here or there. And I think it was really more about the trust factor of making sure. And look, they trusted Benford to start last year, and then he got hurt. He had a couple, he had the hand injury, the oblique injury. Now, you know, he's healthy. But Matt, like, he's long. He, he really, I think he's good against the run. That's important in a Sean McDermott defense. And mm-hmm. I think the trust factor of being in the system for a year and understanding it even more so than last year when he came in as a rookie, he even spoke about this and said, like now a year in, he understands he's a better pro, he's more mature, all that kind of stuff. So I like this move. I think there's a lot worse players in this league to come off the bench than Dane Jackson as your number three. Speaking of that, there's a lot worse scenarios you could have than your number one pick of two years ago coming in off the bench. While it is disappointing, for Kyrie Elam to not win the job. Why it is, while it is disappointing for us to go, hey, that's a first-round pick that seems like it might be a little sunk. And I agree with all that. I, I'm not telling you. I mean, right now, you'd like a lot more bang for your buck than your first-round pick of two years ago than what you're getting at Kyrie Elam. That said, when that kid's played, he's played well. So if he has to play, it seems like he's just fine being on the field, and you could do a lot worse. It's not like they're relegating him to the bench, from what I know. I, I don't think he's going to be inactive. He was last year a few games, but if he's your if he's your fourth boundary corner, sure, that's like, okay, yeah, you'd like more out of your first-round pick. There's also a lot worse fourth boundary corners in the NFL. I agree. Then it gets to the final one, which is the biggest position battle they've had the entire season, and that's because of the player that they are replacing with Tremaine Edmonds. Terrell Bernard was a surprise to me. Now, 
I want to preface it with this. Terrell Bernard was not a surprise to me because of the play of any of the people he was competing with. It was a surprise to me because he's been dealing with hamstring injury and we haven't seen him on the field in a game action this summer. So I thought they would say, okay, Tyrell Dodson, you're going to start the season. You're going to play week one. We're going to see how it goes. And if you don't look good, then guess what? We're going to trot Bernard out there and he is going to be the guy that plays. Nope. They didn't wait for that. They basically said, nobody won this job of the guys who actually got the reps. And Bernard, you're in. You're going to go up. And I don't know. There's so much unknown with Bernard. I don't know if he's better. I don't know if he's worse. Just because there's not really a ton of tape out there on him actually playing. Coincidentally, this is his second career start. And his first career start was last year in New York against the Jets. So he has played and started in that stadium before. Just makes you wonder, how will he do? Man, talk about just getting thrown into it. I think that there might be more upside with Bernard than there was with any of the other guys that were in this competition. Well, I guess besides Dorian Williams until we found out he kind of really wasn't in this competition. Mm -hmm. So I think there might be more upside with Bernard than anywhere else. But that's a lot to ask somebody for their second career start, opening the season, Monday Night Football against Aaron Rodgers. My, the biggest and question mark career from, start at this position, by the way, last yeah. year, his only start was in the same stadium against this same team. But that was for Matt Milano at the will linebacker spot. So it just it, it is without question the biggest question for the Bills at a specific yeah. position. It's. How will they manage linebacker? They can insulate that position. They don't have to put as much on his plate as they did with Tremaine Edmonds. But at the same time, you can only do that so many times. I'm curious. I think they made the right decision. Even though we haven't seen a lot of Bernard, I think they're banking on upside and they're banking on athleticism. I guess we'll find out if that's the right play in a couple of days. All right. So... First of all, let me just rewind to you for a second. I just want to just throw this out there. I said Benford is longer, back to corner. 6'1", 205, Jackson, 5'11", 180. If you two have guys, two, two guys who are equal, and one of them's a longer kind of athletic guy like that, I think that that leans in that favor. Okay, just wanted to make that point because I had mentioned that. Mm -hmm. To your point about linebacker. So do you think, and it could be both, this is more of an indictment on Tyrell Dodson and what else was not there, or an endorsement of Terrell Bernard? Indictment on Tyrell Dodson. So you don't think Terrell Bernard won the job? Because well, he I think it's a, it's a combination of both. He kind of won it by default? You think Tyrell Dodson just lost the job and they said, we're going to find somebody? A little bit. I don't want to give Bernard no credit, and I don't want to put all of it on Dodson. I think Dodson did not live up to the expectations that they had set for him and what they were thinking they were going to get out of him. And maybe Bernard flashed enough in practice. I think Bernard would be the start. Like if Bernard did not get injured and played in the preseason games, I still think he would have won the job. But because he got injured, I thought that took him out of contention, at least temporarily, just because I didn't think they would feel comfortable throwing him into that situation. So I think it's a little bit of both. So the question you asked, I think it's a little bit of what Bernard did, but it's more of what Tyrell Dodson didn't do when he was actually out there. Okay, I'm not going to disagree that, you know, Tyrell Dotson had a golden opportunity and he couldn't win the job. I totally agree with that. But I, I think, Matt, to me, like this is the guy that if you go back to, I don't know, March, April, I always felt Terrell Bernard, once they didn't draft a middle linebacker, to me, Terrell Bernard was the guy I think they wanted to win this job. To me, Terrell Bernard was the guy that they probably earmarked and said, we got to, 
like we're going to probably put Tyrell Dotson there until we don't have to anymore. Kind of like corner with Dane Jackson, right? Um, but now I think with Terrell Bernard there, I think this is the guy all along they would really like for that spot. And this is the guy they wanted originally, and he winds up winning the job. I think they have a lot of confidence in him. Unfortunately, because of the injury, it just hasn't been able to play out. And now you're like, okay, can he handle everything when he hasn't had any preseason reps with actual game competition calling the defense against them? But I actually think this is the guy that going back to April, May, I should say, after the draft, that Sean McDermott probably thought, I think that's the guy that I'd like to win my middle linebacker job. I, I think so, too. It goes back to the entire Kyir Elam debate. When you use a premium asset on somebody, you want to see that player succeed and you want to see what that player has to offer. And I think even though it wasn't a first round pick like it was for Kyir Elam, they still used a day two pick on Terrell Bernard. So clearly they thought he was going to be somebody who could contribute. So now we're going to find out what he can do with a bigger sample size. I still don't think the leash is super long on him. I think that if he struggles with the expectations this team has, Christian Kirksey, come on down. Practice squad elevation. Maybe he gets activated to the 53-man roster. You probably just know what you have in Christian Kirksey. This is a different conversation if the Bills weren't a good team. If the Bills weren't a good team, you would say, oh, no, Terrell Bernard needs to play. You need to get those growing pains and have them figured out so he can be good when you're good. The Bills do not have that luxury. The Bills don't have that flexibility. They can't just say, okay, we're going to let somebody grow internally and just make sure that they get better each and every week until the playoffs. For the Bills, it's like, okay, we can do that for a little bit, but we need our best guys out there on the field no matter what because we're trying to win a Super Bowl. So that's why I think if Bernard struggles, it won't happen after one game. If he doesn't have a great game, I don't think they're like, okay, Tyrell Dodson, guess what? Now it's your turn. I don't think they'll do that. But if it's a month, and it's like, man, you could really get more from your middle linebacker spot, then I think we might be having a Christian Kirksey conversation. And then real quickly, just so fans are familiar, what um, Terrell Bernard brings. Terrell Bernard is an undersized middle linebacker. He is not Tremaine Edmonds. He doesn't look like him. I, I tweeted a photo of him standing in between Matt Milano and Taron Johnson, and people were like, oh, my God, he's as big as Taron Johnson, a nickel cornerback, which yeah. isn't untrue, really. I mean, he's not that big, but he's super physical for his size. He's very good at diagnosing. He's a really good athlete. He's a really good cover linebacker. When they drafted him, actually, he actually, to me, was thought to be maybe more of a matchup nickel linebacker they could put in passing situations. So I think he's he'll be fine against the run. I think the wear and tear, though, is sometimes maybe the bigger guys will have to go against when they block him. That's going to be a bit of an issue. And then him getting off the blocks, he's going to have to make sure he does that well enough. But hey, look, Tremaine Edmonds didn't get off blocks as well as a lot of people wanted last year, right? And if Terrell Bernard can find a way to do that. But I think the biggest thing more than anything is this guy is very physical. He's a very good athlete. He's going to find a way to get to the ball, I think, a lot like Matt Milano. I just worry a little bit about the size, I guess, and teams attacking him when they're a little bit bigger. Yeah, but it's the same thing. His skill set might have allow him to do things a little bit better yep. than what they've had in the past because he is quicker and shiftier and should be. Tremaine Edmonds was an athletic freak. I do not want to say that Terrell Bernard is. He's so rangy though. It just yeah, helped me, like he exactly. could like, turn one way and be there in a, in a hurry because of that. Yeah, exactly. So I think Bernard still has upside. Not that Dodson doesn't, but younger player used a much more premium asset to get that player. Now you get a chance to see what he actually can bring to the table. Terrell Bernard was a very, very effective and productive player in college. He had that one game at Baylor where he had like 18 tackles or something ridiculous in one of the big time bowl games. It obviously wasn't the national championship, but it was one of the big bowl games. I think he was the MVP of that game. So mm -hmm. 
this is, even though it's a surprise, it's the right move for the Bills. All three of the positions that they decided on, I think they made the right move. I think that it was the smart thing for Torrance. That was a no-brainer. I like the Benford move, and I like the Bernard move because you are just kind of banking on upside. And, hey, got to roll the dice every once in a while, right? Yeah, let's uh, dig into this matchup a little bit, maybe where the Bills have an advantage or where there are some concerns. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Bills-Jets, Monday Night Football, September 11th. By the way, Sunday night, Cowboys-Giants, September 10th, at MetLife Stadium. Monday night, Bills-Jets at MetLife Stadium. It's the September 11th, memorializing, obviously, the tragedy of September 11th, 2001, in New York City. Football being played, both these teams at home. It's going to be a wild, wild atmosphere. Both Mm -hmm. these games are going to be super interesting and a great way to kick off the NFL season in this stadium with these two teams, obviously. Yeah, we're driving to New York, so I've got five people from Channel 7 who are going. We're going in two different waves. We have three people going on Saturday, and then myself and a photographer going, uh, shout out Jay Fair, on Sunday morning. But because we are both football junkies, and like I said, I very rarely get to watch football games, we are leaving at 4 a.m. so we can try and get into New York and have all of our work done by one o'clock so we can watch the one o'clock games and the four o'clock games and just like sit there and enjoy ourselves. But it was funny because when we originally made our plans work, understandably so, Channel 7 asked, hey, could we have you live at six o'clock outside of MetLife Stadium on Sunday night? And I said, sure, it's not a big issue. I can do that. And then I looked at the schedule and I said, uh, no. I cannot go live outside of MetLife Stadium because there will be another football game happening in that stadium the night before the Bills game. So I was thinking about doing Billy Joel. We were floating that idea around there at Madison Square Garden, but tickets a little bit too expensive for somebody who's not. I like Billy Joel, but I don't feel comfortable paying four hundred dollars to see billy joel i we did that myself and bill sabers photographer bill whipper did that several years ago when we were there for a jets game loved it It was great it was a bit expensive and i said i don't need to do it again because i saw it and it was expensive and i saw it was awesome so yeah that's a tough call because you want to see something like that we, we have a lot of games on the schedule 
this weekend. We could touch on them in a little while, but this obviously is the most important for our purposes. I want to go back to something you said a little while ago. You said the middle linebacker spot is really the one big concern. How concerned are you about right tackle right now? With Spencer Brown starting there and some of the things that we've talked about on this podcast and elsewhere. Uh, he's going to be going against a tough defensive line, obviously, and a tough defense and Robert Salah's defense. How concerned are you there? Concerned, for sure. Maybe not as concerned as <laughs> I am about linebacker, but I might say it's the second or third most concerning thing for the Bills. I just think with Spencer Brown, I mean, the guy's played in playoff games. The guy's played in really, really high-stakes environments. Yep. Even if he hasn't necessarily played extremely well in those games, he has that experience. This is not something new to him. To Ber Terrell Bernard, this is something new. So I guess kind of the unknown is maybe the thing that scares me the most about the linebacker position. I would say the three biggest question marks that I have for the Bills are linebacker, right tackle, and cornerback too. And I think it would probably be that order for mostly everybody who is watching the Bills, roots for the Bills, covers the Bills. I think... Christian Benford is steady enough that that's not a huge concern. I think it's just something to monitor. I shouldn't even say cornerback, too. I'll say cornerback in general because I don't know what Trey White is going to be this year. Is it 2020 injury or 2021 before the injury, Trey White? Or is it Trey White after last year when he came back? It's probably somewhere in the middle. But, yeah, I would say that those are the three areas that, you know, I'm circling on my piece of paper that say, okay, those are matchups you got to watch because those could be places where the Bills get exposed. So the Jets, we know, have a very, very good defense. Speaking of, you know, Spencer Brown at right tackle, you got Osiris Torrance, who has yet to play a snap in the NFL. Obviously, this will be his first action when he lines up Monday night next to Spencer Brown. This is a very good defensive front. You're looking at Quinton Williams, Al Woods, Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, who they really, really love in New York. This is going to be a really tough matchup. Robert Salah's defense has obviously given the Bills a little bit of fits the last couple of years, last couple of games. The Bills lost there in New York, and then it, was a, it wasn't a it was an easy game in Buffalo when they... No. I will say, though, Josh Allen torched Robert Salah's defense on Monday Night Football in San Francisco, well, in Arizona mm -hmm. against San Francisco uh, a few years ago. So they're in for a tough role here, a tough, um, you know, a, a tough way to go, get, go at it, but a, a heavy lift. Sauce Gardner at corner makes it even more challenging. So what do the Bills have to do, do you think, on offense against this defense? Is it, hey, let's go attack them? Is it, let's just play it slow and steady, try to run the ball? Like, if you're a coordinator, if you're Ken Dorsey, how are you thinking about maybe attacking this defense? Quick, 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 quick passes. Get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. Make sure that that defensive line cannot take over the game. Easier said than done, right? One yeah. of the things that makes the Bills so dynamic is their ability to hit the big play. And usually you need a little bit of time to let that big play develop. You still need to do that, but you need to be calculated on when you do that. Because if you're giving yourself bad situational football opportunities, if it's third and nine, third and eight, then you might be screwed. And then you might be talking about losing a game. But if you stay out in front of it, okay, first and 10, quick three-step drop, Deontay Hardy, six yards, boom. Like that's the kind of stuff that they need to be doing. That's why I like, honestly, the if you're playing fantasy football or if you're betting or whatever it is, I like Deontay Hardy, Dalton Kincaid I do too. this week a lot. And I don't love Gabe Davis and Trent Shurfield just because I don't know how much downfield attacking they will do. Stefan Diggs is going to get his, right? Like that's their number one receiver, even though he can do a little bit of everything and he'll be on Sauce Gardner. 
you still have to like Stefan Diggs. He's one of the best players in the entire league. But I think it's the quick stuff. And if you're Ken Dorsey, that's what you need to do. And even though they have a great defensive line, you can't completely abandon the run. You need to still have some semblance of a running attack because if you don't, it will really let them just kind of no. Just you know, you got to be a little less predictable, which is something this team has struggled with at times. Yeah, I like Dalton Kincaid a lot. I've been saying this for a while in this matchup. I think this might be right away. Bam, Dalton Kincaid kind of coming out party on the national stage because as good as their linebackers are, um, C.J. Mosley especially, and then Quincy Williams, Jamie and Sherwood as well. Is good as their linebackers are. I don't think they're known really as slow. linebackers, a right? Touch, yeah. A touch like, you know, yeah. really good against the run, but could potentially be beaten in the passing game. And if you want to go nickel corner, Michael Carter, they have there, they have a couple of Michael Carters, by the way, one's a running yeah, back. Like, wanna, there's a there's two Michael Carters on the same team, and then there's a Connor McGovern on each team, by the way, yeah, playing yeah. offensive line in this game. Um, Michael Carter at nickel corner. I think these are matchups the Bills would have the more favorable matchup in. I do think if you, once you get past Sauce Gardner, there are opportunities in that secondary. DJ Reed's a fine player. I mean, he's talking about these guys being 85 Bears, Legion of Boom. Let's slow down that role a little bit. I get it. Like confidence. This is how people talk. Not going to blame him for having confidence and optimism in his defense. But man, th- those are the kinds of games, those are the kinds of teams and units that went on to win Super Bowls and had historic seasons. I think we need to get there first. The Jets have not made the playoffs in 12 years. They're <laughs> they're thinking really high here. And I get it. I understand it. But I do think outside of Sauce Gardner, there's a little bit of opportunity, maybe even especially at safety, Jordan Whitehead, Tony Adams there, uh, Ashlyn Davis. These are not guys that I think the Bills should necessarily try to shy away from. And if they have an opportunity, maybe they can attack downfield against that secondary. On the other side of the ball, I think the biggest Bills advantage in this game is their defensive line against a Jets offensive line that apparently still has not really gotten much better from what it was last year. And we saw that in hard knocks. We saw that in preseason and Mm -hmm. scrimmages and reports. But I think the Bills defensive line, this is a chance for them to really try to dictate this game. From the way it's been explained to me, I've talked to a couple of people who know a lot more about the Jets than we do. It's the offensive line is a concern, but it's on a different level. For the pass game, they're actually a pretty good pass blocking unit. For the run game, that's when they have seemed to struggle. So it makes you wonder how effective will they be in the run game? And if they're not effective in the run game, you know, we don't know what to expect from Brees Hall. I said on the last podcast, eight to 10 touches is probably what I'm expecting to see from Brees Hall. For Dalvin Cook, it's probably the same, eight to 10 touches. So let's say they get between 15 and 20. If those are not effective, whether they're, you know, rushes or short passes, it will make them one-dimensional, and any time you make a team one-dimensional, that's when I think you can have a little bit more success. If they don't hold up in the past pro, like you need your, you need a big day from Leonard Floyd, you need a big day from Greg Rousseau. Obviously, any pressure on the interior will help you significantly. The one thing that we also have talked about is you might be catching the Jets at the right time because mm-hmm. of a new coordinator, a new quarterback, all that kind of stuff. But I had a conversation at the stadium yesterday with somebody on the team. And they said, I hear your point, but it really doesn't matter because it's Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers will have all of that stuff figured out. And we have to be prepared for the absolute best version of Rodgers and for the Jets and for the offense. I also he know. He does also like, have guys he's familiar with. I mean, you know, Alan Lazar. Yeah, he's got Alan Lazar. Guys he's yeah. thrown. To, I, I, I actually do think it's a thing. I, I mean, all due respect to that person, uh-huh. it is still the first time 
really with an entire group. And I mean, they did play a little preseason together and uh, some snaps, but I do think there's a little feeling out period here. Like, especially if you put a guy like Dalvin cook in the game who hasn't been, you know, part of your offense that much. So yeah, he is Aaron Rodgers. He's going to still make some throws. No doubt about it. He's going to still make great plays. It's not like you're, it's not like you're putting a bottom tier quarterback out there, mm-hmm. but I do think they're still getting them at the right time here because there, there, there is something to be said about cohesiveness and, understanding who you are and how you want to play the game. Yeah, I agree with you there. I just think that when you have Aaron Rodgers, you should be able to kind of put the pieces together quicker because he'll cover up some of those flaws. Because even at 39 years old, he can still make freakishly impressive throws and really, really explosive plays. It's Garrett Wilson, right? Garrett Wilson is a freak. That dude is so good. So it makes you wonder, what will they do? Will Trey White follow Garrett Wilson or will they try and double Garrett Wilson and have it be Benford mm-hmm. and some sort of combination of one of the safeties helping? What will they do? I don't know. Another little storyline that I'm really excited to see here is the Sean McDermott defense because now it's all on you, Sean, right? He knows yeah. that. And I think that he's taking the accountability and there's something commendable about that. How aggressive will he be? Everybody keeps mm-hmm. saying, Sean McDermott is a defensive play caller, super aggressive. They're not showing anything in the preseason. What they did in the preseason, those three games on defense, I don't think that is indicative of anything that they plan on doing in the regular season. Interesting. But what does aggressive mean? Does aggressive mean blitzing every other play? I don't think that's what it means. But what does it mean for Sean McDermott against a tough test coming out of the gate? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. of, the, of their first three games, this is certainly the most intimidating offense that they're going against. How can you handle it? It's probably the most intimidating defense too. I think it's the best team oh, out of the first sure. three, right? No, I question, mean, no question. Raiders week two, you got the Washington commanders week three. Uh, last thing to button up on this particular, the matchup side of things. I mentioned at the top of this podcast that Micah Hyde, Sean McDermott said back issue. Wasn't going to practice. We go out there. He's practicing. Now I get it. We all get that everybody says, well, how could the head coach not know? It's easy. Let me just explain. What happens is Sean goes in in the morning, gets an update from trainers, gets an update, you know, what's going on. Hey, Micah High got a back issue. Like, well, okay, let's probably hold him out. That's probably how the conversation went. I wasn't there. I'm not in that room, obviously, but that's how, probably how it went. He comes to meet with us. Mm-hmm. And in that time frame, it's totally possible. They stretched him out. They did some exercises. And he's like, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good. The trainers are like, yeah, you know what? We'll clear you. You're good today. Let's do it. He goes out and they're like, hey, coach, you know, we're going to have Micah high practice today. Totally reasonable that something like that happened. That being said, because of the neck injury last year, and this is a back, I think there's some concern there. But after watching him at practice, I don't think we should be concerned. It looks like they're going to have all hands on deck. Yeah, there is a possibility, though, too, that he was just out there for the portion that we were able to watch. And then he just kind of sat and did nothing for the rest of practice. I don't think that would be the case. But if you still wanted to get some individual work in but not do anything in team drills, and it's tough to know for sure because there was actually no injury report from Wednesday. We will get the Bills' first injury report on Thursday afternoon. So if you're listening to this before that, then I guess we'll wait and see. But we should he'll probably be listed as limited anyway, regardless of what happens, just because it's an injury that they're monitoring. Besides that, though, the Bills fairly healthy going into this game. You know, Von Miller is a massive loss. But besides Von Miller, you know, they, they should have all of their main pieces available. All right. Let's uh, jump around the NFL, including what's going to happen on Thursday night when the season kicks off in Kansas City. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. 
In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, it's always game day in Buffalo here on the Odyssey Network, the original Odyssey podcast. You can find us on the Odyssey app, WGR Sports Radio 550, and of course, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you pod, and Sal Sports, YouTube. Go there. Lots of great stuff happening on the YouTube channel. Lots of new viewers all the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. We're close to 5,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel, Matt. So we got to get oh, up. Cool. Come on, folks. Subscribe. Let's go. Let's get to five. We need like 200 more subscribers to get to 5,000. So really uh, proud and thankful for all of you who've done that. All right. It's Thursday night. We have now the latest report as we're, again, this is very fluid. Right before we went on here, I read Tom Pelissero report that now Travis Kelsey is actually a game time decision and he's going to test the knee before the game. So we went from, oh my God, could Travis Kelsey be out for the season to, oh, by the way, he might actually play on Thursday night. I don't know. It seems a little bit more of a probably leaning the other way, the way everything's gone, but maybe he does wind up playing. Mm -hmm. Then you add in there the fact that they have some receivers that have some question marks about them. Um, They do not have Chris Jones, obviously, on the defensive side. I'll just ask you, Matt. Can the Detroit Lions pull the upset Thursday night? Can they? Yeah. Will they? No. It's still Patrick (laughs) Mahomes. That's kind of my thing. I think everything else would tell you, yeah, you like the Lions' chances of winning this game, but it's still Patrick Mahomes. I I think Patrick Mahomes could have a wide receiver group of me, you, and Mike, our producer, and he might still have a chance to win this game. So uh, it's going to be a close game. I am so excited to watch football again. I'm excited for the matchup because I think it could be a good one. The Lions defense, though, isn't particularly intimidating. It's not an outstanding group. So that's why I think they'll still be able to go put up their ho-hum 30 points. It feels like the Chiefs start fast every single year. So what do the Lions have to score? Probably 30 to be able to have a chance. And while they're capable of doing that, I'm not banking on Jared Goff and, you know, I like Amon Ross St. Brown a lot. I don't know mm-hmm. what to expect from Jameer Gibbs, but I'm not banking on that, you know, every single time. Like if I was betting on the game, I would bet on the Chiefs. You know, it's a four and a half to five point spread. I might lean the Lions on the points because I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I don't think this is a blowout because I think the Chiefs do have um, some issues they're going to have to overcome. And I'm really interested what that Chiefs defensive line looks like. Chris Jones not there. I know Clark no longer there. Carlos Mm -hmm. Dunlop they had for the second half of the year. No longer there. I think it's going to be really interesting. Will the uh, Lions be able to move the ball on them? And maybe it is a higher scoring game over under, by the way, in the game. Actually, I don't uh, Let me see real quick. I'm going to do the over. Let me guess. Let me guess. Go ahead. 52 and a half. Actually, that is in one spot. It's 53 to 53 and a half in most spots. But yeah, that's crazy. Right. That's a pretty high over under. By the way, I think the Bills total is 46 and a half. Yeah. It strikes me as a bit high. Uh, it's oh, a bit high. You think it's low. I think these two de- I think these two defenses, we talk them up so much. Like, are, are we not giving them enough credit? 
Well, when I think of that, you got to split. You got to figure out how does the math work out. So you said it's forty six and a half. Yeah, and the Bills are favored by two, so it's twenty four twenty two would be the like twenty four total twenty four twenty two around there. Okay, I don't know. I, I'm about right. Yeah, about okay. right. I, I actually would have thought a little bit higher. I would have thought yeah. like forty eight and a half, even though they're very good defenses. Still, Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's right. If the if the, <laughs> if the game is twenty eight. 24 is anybody saying oh my gosh that was a barn burner you know it's like oh no it's two of the best quarterbacks in the nfl going at it all right then we have on sunday you talked about you know getting there early watching football i'll actually be in the air with the team through most of the second half of the first game so like because the team leaves on the day before the game i fly as Mm -hmm. part of the radio crew with the team i don't exactly know what time we're taking off as of right now but and it's a short flight which is fine I won't be able to watch a lot of the one o'clock games. By the time we get to the hotel, I can sit down, watch some of the four o'clock games, but those one o'clock games will basically be ending when I'm getting to the hotel. So you enjoy watching it because I'll have to get on my phone and try and figure out what's going on. And the other, and the games that I'm very interested in, there are quite a few of them. The one that stands out to me, Bengals Browns one o'clock is super interesting. Um, 49ers Steelers. I think that's going to be a heck of a football game. I'm higher on the Steelers than most people. They had a great preseason, but even before that, I was talking them up. I think they could be really good this year, but they're in a very tough division. And of course, San Francisco favored by a lot of people to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. And obviously with Brock Purdy, now Nick Bosa with his contract right there. Anything else, anything stand out to you about the early games, the one o'clock games? No, the only other game that I'm interested in is it's a weird one probably, but I I would like to see Saints-Titans and I want to see it more for the Saints than I want to see it for the Titans. I know that's not a huge impact for the Bills or anything like that, but I'm curious to be what, to see what the Saints could be this year because I think Mm -hmm. they might be a sleeper team. I think they could, you know, have a nice rebound year. I like Derek Carr more than I think some people like Derek Carr. I think he could kind of stabilize that offense, and they've got a good defense, and I think they could be a pretty good team. The 1 o'clock slate, honestly, is kind of uninspiring, but it's just the first week of football, so we're excited about it. Besides the two games you said, there's really not anything. I don't really care about Panthers-Falcons. Texans, Ravens, the Ravens are going to walk all over them. The Jags mm-hmm. are going to smoke the Colts. The Vikings are going to beat the Bucs. So, and the Commanders and Cardinals are, you know, going to play patty cake at the 50 yard line. So I don't exactly know what game I'll try and watch. It'll probably be honestly Steelers 49ers because that game I think is definitely the most interesting. The Browns game is interesting too, because it's like, what is Deshaun Watson? There's a lot of people who think the Browns could have a great season this year. Yeah. There's also a lot of people who think they're far and away the worst team in their own division. So and you have the Joe Burrow situation too. Like what, what is yeah. because of his injury status? I mean, is he going to be didn't, full Joe Burrow? <laughs> didn't who beat the, who beat the Bengals week one last year? Wasn't it the Browns? The Steelers. Steelers. The Steelers. Okay. And the Bengals, yeah. lo- Bengals had lost their uh, long snapper. Remember? Mm-hmm. And it, it really hurt them. By the way, how about the Steelers? Two years in a row. Last year, they go to Cincy and win. The year before they go to Buffalo and win. I mean, Mike Tomlin knows how to get his team ready. Yeah, for sure. That's the, right. I'm, I've slowly, become a Steelers believer this year. I don't think they're like a Super Bowl contender. I'm glad but I, I got think, you there. <laughs> I think I appreciate it, Sal. I think they might be a playoff team, though. I, yeah, I really I, do. I think it comes down to do <clears throat> three teams from the AFC East make it, or do the Steelers have a good enough record that they beat out one of those teams? Because I'm pretty yeah. confident at least two teams from the AFC East are going to make it. In the 4 o'clock window, you have five 4.25 p.m. games. These are all 4.25 Eastern time games. I think the big one for us to watch is Dolphins Chargers. That should oh, be interesting. Sure. 
the Dolphins go out to play the Chargers week one. The Bills go out to play the Chargers Christmas weekend. Like, it's opposite sides of the spectrum here of when these two teams play. Eagles-Patriots also obviously in the AFC East. But, man, these two games, especially Dolphins-Chargers to me, could say could tell us – I mean, it's week one, right? I, I'm probably being a little overdramatic because, obviously, a lot of things change. I'll be the first to tell you that. Could tell us a lot about both teams. I guess that's the cliche. Yeah, absolutely. I think that <sighs> it's a tough one. What's the line? You have the lines in front of you? I would imagine the Chargers are slightly favored. They're probably like favored by two and a half or something is my guess. Uh, The line in that game is three. Chargers favored by three. Okay. So I think I like the Chargers in that game, but I'm – this is like the running joke on the podcast, higher on the Dolphins than I think most people are. I think (laughs) the Dolphins are the second best team in the AFC East right now. So Mm – they could absolutely go there and have a couple dynamic plays and win that game. That would not be out of the question at all. Packers, Bears. I mean, I mean, these two teams, obviously traditional, they're opening the season. And, you know, I think there's intrigue there with Jordan Love. There's intrigue with Justin Fields in year number three, but not necessarily something you're you know, making must-see TV. Raiders-Broncos also, I think that's just because of what we are going to expect from the Broncos this year with Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, can it be anything different than last year? Obviously, it's going to be different in some way. We'll see what that is. And the Raiders are the Bills' week two opponent if you want to get a, a look ahead to them. How about Eagles-Patriots? Do the Eagles just go to New England and walk all over them? The line's weird, right? The Eagles are four-and-a-half-point favorites or something, which tells you you should hammer the Eagles, but mm. that's what they want you to do, yeah. right? Why do, the, <laughs> why do the Patriots hang around in this game more than everybody is giving them credit for? I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't think the Eagles are going to go in there and walk all over them. I think I think the Patriots are going to be one of those teams that plays every single game tough this year. Win, loss, whatever it is, they're going to just kind of hang around in the games. And I think that that's what they're going to do against the Eagles. The Eagles are going to win, but I don't know. There's a reason people are jumping all over that line, and that's what Vegas wants you to do. So it's interesting. All right. What do you got? What do you, what do you want to uh... – end this with before we head out to our first game of the season we gotta end it with our predictions for the bills jets game you want to go first you want me to go first oh i don't know if i can do a prediction here i think i have to save it for uh uh, for a plat for my platform later um but i can i guess i'll sneak one in i'm gonna pick the bills to win i think it's a lower scoring game that's what i'll Mm -hmm. say i don't know if i'll give you exact score let's see i think bills get into the low 20s and maybe keep the jets around um you know high teens to 20 and i and i think that would be amazing right if that happens so I'm thinking like 20 to 17, something in that area, maybe 21, 20, something in that. I mean, it's going to be a close game. I think lower scoring than what the implied total is. Man, it could be Rodgers and Kelly. Uh, Kelly. could be Rodgers and Josh Allen just going off, though, right? Maybe we see something like that. I'm going to pick the Bills to win a close game, low scoring. Bills, 27. Jets. This might give you a little drum roll noise. Can you do it? <laughs> I can't do it. You're, oh, you're yeah. good at it. I'm a drummer. Yeah. Thank you. Jets 26. Bills win by one. They do not not cover the spread, but they win the game. I think these teams are very close. I give the edge to Josh Allen because I think he is the second or third best player in the entire world right now. And the Bills start the season with a sneaky win or a very, you know, close game. And I think it sets them up for a nice little run that they should be able to go on the next couple of weeks. We will talk to you after that game. Thank you so much for staying with us all offseason. But now, the real season, the regular season, is here. Let's enjoy it. Let's have fun. We'll talk about Bill's Jets next time we talk to you on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. For our producer doing a great job, Mike Rabier. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm Sal Capaccio. Matt, 
Safe travels to New Jersey slash New York, and we'll talk to you then, buddy. See you guys.